Austin, Texas Sports. The Horn. Morning, partner. Aaron Hogan. Yes. Rod Babers. Come on now, wake up. Mornings. Austin's only live and local morning sports conversation. Five hours a day, five days a week right here on The Horn. On The Horn app. Hornfm.com, AM 1260, 10, uh, and 101.9 FM. The Horn app is really going to be crucial for you to get just to get us wherever you are, wherever you go. Yep, full shizzle. Five hours, five days a week. Coming up, we'll talk some NFL, including, uh, how about this headline from a story in TheAthletic.com that I'm reading. Cowboys rookie linebacker DeMarvion Overshone making plays and drawing attention. Yeah, I like that. Yeah, man. Mm-hmm. He had two picks. Uh, earlier this week yeah. in practice, they were not against Dak Prescott, for those who are going to freak out about it. <laughs> and uh, he also got some praise from Michael Parsons. You played that audio earlier. Got a little praise from Michael Parsons, he too. Did. He uh, it's like he dropped an F-bomb. We had to yeah, he was so pumped about the Marvin Overshone's practices that he dropped an F-bomb. Demo and uh, Neville Gallimore were having a little Texas OU beef walking off the field yesterday. So we'll, uh, I'll have to find that clip, too. It's, oh, uh, I saw that. I might be able to see it because I saw that, too. I did. I Neville saw was that. like, yeah, well, we beat you three out of four when you were the, when I was there. <laughs> yeah. He's like, well, we beat you 49-0 last year. <laughs> yeah. that, that was my last year. Uh, that was fun. Yeah, I like that. You know, We, we got to find it. I'll, I'll find that. I'll send it to Ty because that was pretty good. Absolutely. This says uh, Hunt, Kareem Hunt, you were talking about, is he a New Orleans Saint? No, he's not yet. He went to New Orleans, but he hasn't signed yet. He's going to the Colts uh, to talk to them, too. And I just mentioned if the Cowboys are looking for a running back, I would prefer Kareem Hunt right now over Zeke Elliott. Uh, this says, guys, are bringing back Zeke, uh, but not paying Zach Martin. What's our general manager thinking? <laughs> it's true. Well, aren't, they te- aren't they technically still paying Zeke in some dead money? Maybe, well, yeah. <laughs> I think they Paid still pay out of anyways. Uh, I guess that's why they figured bring him back. I will say one thing on that because you— because they didn't address running back in the offseason. This didn't. is a Dallas Cowboys issue. They're going to end up losing games next year because they didn't address running back. I told them to go get Deontay Foreman. Well, I told them. I said on the radio. All right, that's me telling them. telling them. Go get Deontay Foreman because he was cheap and he is great. He's at a point now where he's, in a, he's at, in, on a proven contract every year, and the, the Bears end up getting him. And then they didn't. They drafted Deuce, great, but they should have drafted a running back probably in the middle rounds, and they didn't do that either. So, and now they got Ronald Jones suspended for two games, also dealing with an injury. Man, their running back room is a mess right now. Tony Pollard coming off an injury. Come on, Cowboys. Come on, Cowboys. What you doing? And you want to be a team that wins with defense, and you don't even have a kicker. Yeah. Hey, we'll recap the uh, – I'm with you. The kicker and the running back behind Tony Pollard is concerning. I don't like – one of the things I've always been concerned with Jerry Jones, he he, he goes on hope quite a bit. Uh, you know, he hopes that Amari – like when we when we let Amari Cooper go and we don't replace him, that Michael Gallup is going mm-hmm. to be healthy. Well, he wasn't. It hurt your ball club last year. Yep. You hope that Tony Pollard can play 17 weeks of football, and if he gets hurt, who go who do you go to? Malik Davis? He's Exactly. We hope that our kicker thing works out. <laughs> Romo was a miracle. Don't love it. Exactly. Don't love it. That was hope, though, and it worked out. That's you know, see, that's what distorts Jerry's perception of reality. Sometimes hope works. Sometimes hope doesn't. Because the Tony Romo thing actually did work. An undrafted free agent became a franchise quarterback, which has happened what twice in the history, modern history of the NFL, yeah. with Kurt Warner and Warren Moon. And he thinks, oh, I can operate like that. Dak Prescott, he was Viagra. He was a happy accident. I can operate like that. No, you can't. You need contingency plans, plan A, B, C. C and D assume, all right, that your first plan is not going to work out. Can we give a shout out to, it's well said, can we give a shout out to Del Valley High School back to school today? It says here, back to school, and we listen to y'all show every morning in the welding shop. 
Nice. The welding shop. Like that. Getting some welding, getting some, uh huh. Learning some Learning skills. Learning the trades. Still, still have shop class? Love shop class. They need shop class. We, we love did, shop we class. We did not have shop class at Westlake. Well, you were in the choir. Well, you were in the choir. I think we know why. Ty was, playing, okay. Ty was in the at Westlake. Ty was in a fight club, the Glee Club choir, and the football team. <laughs> the fight club was not sanctioned. I'm assuming this was not a sanctioned fight club. No, it was a that that was actually a middle school. Oh. <laughs> middle school fight club. Wow. Yeah, that's, oh. that explains a lot about yeah, behind Ty. the school, right where the buses the buses pick you up. Bus driver added on us, though. <laughs> Thank God driver. for that bus driver. God, uh, God bless that bus driver. Potential morning show names, The Hard Count with Ian Rod V. <laughs> Even though he broke the like first that. rule of Fight Club, which is... There is no Fight Club. There is no Well, fight you club. don't talk about Fight oh, Club. Yeah, don't talk about That's me. also Same the thing? second rule of Fight Club. You don't talk about Fight Club. Yeah. Uh, the Hard Count with Ian Rod V has been mentioned. Hey, I like the Hard I'm writing that down. The Hard Count. Let me write that we down. need to have a top five by the end of the week, right? right. At least by Thursday. We can vote on Friday. The, the five by count. The five by five with Ian Rod V? The hard, five by five was good. I think I wrote that one down. The five, five by five because we do do five hours a day, mm-hmm. five days a week, five baby. days a week. I like Only that. Yeah, you're right. We'll get a we'll we'll kind of narrow this thing down by the end of the week. We'll go behind the burn orange curtain at the bottom of the hour. Texas football chatter. Twenty four days to the start of the <laughs> Longhorn football season. Quinn Ewers is on that uh, Davy O'Brien Award watch list. It says uh, no shop class at Westlake, but plenty of tools. <laughs> Fair. Wow. That's fair. That was that was wrong, but that was pretty good. Can we get to uh, the headlines, trending topics, including a big blast in Baltimore last night? <laughs> Top Gun, Quint Reynolds bring you the news. We'll start with the MLB, Major League Baseball. What a night in Baltimore. Astros absolutely stunned the AL East leading Orioles in game one of that heavyweight showdown series between the best team in the American League and then the defending champs. Birds jumped all over a not-sharp Houston ace Framber Valdez last night. Played it three runs in the first, added two more in the second. They're up 5 nothing and really controlled the game all the way to the ninth inning, up 6-3. to three. And they called on their lights-out closer Felix Bautista, the all-star. He entered the frame with 30 saves on the year, an ERA of .85. But the Astros... Uh, Battled uh, a walk to John Singleton to lead off the inning, then singles for Altuve and Alvarez loaded the bases with one away, and that brought the all-star Kyle Tucker to the plate. Tucker fell behind 0-2 against the fireballer, but then fouled off a number of pitches, uh, worked the count back to 2-2, and on the ninth pitch he saw in the at-bat, did not foul it off. Tucker sends one to Cosantan there, all the way back and gone! He did it! He did it! A grand slam in the ninth! What an event by Kyle Tucker! King Tuck is now invading by sea. Wow. Yeah, what a blast on a 2-2 count. A home run, grand slam. Astros take a 7-6 lead. Houston closer Ryan Presley got the O's 3-up, 3-down in the ninth. Houston gets game one, game two tonight. Astros still trail the streaking Rangers by three in the AL West, though. Uh, Texas took care of their business against lowly Oakland last night. They win at 6-1. Max Scherzer, their newly acquired ace, struck out six over seven three-hit innings. It's the longest win streak for the Rangers. Eight games now since 2017. Dell Diamond last night, Round Rock doubled up Albuquerque 10-5. And how about a double-A Amarillo, the lifetime Longhorn, Ivan Melendez, his 27th home run of his first pro season last night. Uh, since his move to double-A, Melendez has played just 19 games, but he's hitting 325, leads all of double-A baseball with RBIs, slugging, and is tied for the most home runs now with nine. College football, SEC Commissioner Greg Sankey spoke publicly for the first time since the Pac-12 imploded last week. He appeared on the Paul Feinbaum show yesterday, and Sankey said that the SEC leaders met last Friday in the wake of the Pac-12 fallout and agreed that they are not looking to be a part of the latest realignment phase. The leaders are happy with a 16-team SEC once Oklahoma and Texas join next year. 
Sankey also called for the 12-team college football playoff format that debuts in 2024 to be reconsidered after the recent wave of conference realignment because there are now really four power conferences, not five. News from the 40 Acres, Texas quarterback Quinn Ewers named to the 2023 Davey O'Brien preseason watch list. That's the award to the top quarterback. Redshirt sophomore, one of 35 quarterbacks across the country on that list. It does include last year's winner, Caleb Williams. Horn Headlines brought to you by Top Gun Rentals and Lawn Equipment. Top Guns join forces with the legendary Austin Outdoor Power to give you the best lines of outdoor power equipment and fastest repair turnaround times in town. TopGun.net will shoot you straight. You talked about uh, Max Scherzer's performance on the mound for the Rangers. Yep. He now has more total strikeouts than any other Major League Baseball pitcher in the last 28 seasons. Golly. So, That's why I keep saying that the Astros and Rangers don't get a series this year. The fans don't get to see the Rangers. With, with now with Max Scherzer atop the Ranger rotation, they're going to get Nathan Uvalde back mm-hmm. coming up. They're, they're all-star starter. Uh, Jordan Montgomery, they're acquired at the trade deadline. I mean, yep. The Rangers really went all in, which, which is the right thing to do. And the Astros obviously responded with the – the Astros responded with one big trade, and that was Verlander. Verlander. But they also got healthy, right? They got Altuve back, Jordan back, Jose Arquiti came back. So that was almost like a trade deadline for them to add those players back into their lineup. And now here we go. I mean, uh, three games up. But you know, the Astros are locked in to try to make the wild card. All they got to do is get in. Uh, they don't have to chase down the Rangers to make the playoffs at this point. But uh, that division is uh, going to be fun all the way to the end. There's yeah. no doubt about it. Yeah, no question. How about Ivan Melendez? Come on, man. Uh, yeah, man. I mean, so he's at the double-A level, right? Yeah, the Amarillo Sod Poodles. Um, sod Hoppers. Sod Hoppers. I, know, I called them the Hoppers <laughs> earlier. Uh, sod Hoppers. Sod Hoppers. Uh, but, no, I, I mean, with, with, the, with the way he's uh, performing, how long before you think he could advance? I mean, he's, I mean, you know, since he, he's actually gone level. up from the, uh, the, the high A leg ranks to the double A ranks, he's hitting better at double A. Then he was. Double A pitching. Okay. Yeah. I mean, he is such a good hitter. It's only a matter of time. I don't know how soon they'll get it. And the, the, the Diamondbacks have a bunch of young talent there. I mean, they're a young mm-hmm. team anyhow out in the desert. And uh, they got this other, they got another hot shot shortstop that's playing there at, at Amarillo. Uh, who are those, those are their two top prospects there, so that's good to see. That's that's a team to watch. But yeah, Ivan, the Hispanic Titanic. I hope they keep the nickname Me as too. he continues to you know ascend because <laughs> well, the nickname I mean, is awesome. Well, since <laughs> he's gotten nickname. to Double A, as I mentioned, he's hitting three twenty five. He leads all of Double A baseball in slugging percentage, which you know total bases essentially slugging seven forty since he's gotten to Double A. He's got twenty four RBI, fifty seven total bases. I mean, he is thriving. Yeah. At the double A level, it's unbelievable. Uh, he is yeah. such a good player. Okay, so speaking of uh, unbelievable, can we dive into some NFL conversations, Rod? And then we're going to get to the behind the burn orange curtain at the bottom of the hour. All kinds of yes, Texas sir. football chatter. But uh, can we get the? Can we play again the open to Hard Knocks last night? I want to get your thoughts. Oh yeah, man, Pre-game let's do this. Speech. This gets me hyped. Robert Sala, ready for football, baby. He's the uh, head coach of the New York Jets. He's under a big microscope here as he mm-hmm. came from the Mike Shanahan or Kyle Shanahan tree in San Francisco, was the defensive coordinator there. He comes in. Last year had a great defense. Yeah, top five defense last year. Pretty good uh, off, pretty, you know, offensive weapons, but no quarterback play. So here's Robert Sala on how he greeted his team to start training camp, and this was the beginning of the new new season of Hard Knocks last night on HBO. All right, you see this one, this is a life lesson for everybody, for everybody. Three nights ago, three nights ago, I was in deep thought, deep thought, deep thought. And I was thinking about you guys. I was thinking about you guys. I was thinking about all the excitement surrounding us, man. All of it, all of it. Did you know that the only bird, the only bird in the world that will attack an eagle is a crow? It's a crow. That's the only bird that will actually have the balls to attack an eagle. 
It will perch on the eagle's back and peck at its neck. So rather than fight back and tearing a crow to pieces like it can, the eagle spreads its wings and it soars as high as it possibly can. It keeps going and going and going as high as it can. And the higher the eagle flies, the crow to breathe. Eventually, the crow suffocates, falls back down to earth, and dies. That's what happens. Guys, we got a great deal of hype around us. We do. All kinds of expectations. And with great expectations, we know that there's going to be a whole lot of people, a whole lot of crows expecting us to fall on our face. What are you doing to find that little bit more to get us closer to being a great team? You finish practice, now what? You finish meetings, now what? Lifting, now what? A rep, now what? And if we come together and we challenge ourselves to do a little bit more every day, the crows, they'll fall by themselves. Embrace what we're capable of. Embrace the fact that we aren't the same old Jets. Embrace the fact that we do have a target on our back. Embrace the fact that when teams look at our schedule, they're not chalking us up for a W. They're coming at you. That's exactly where we want to be. There you go. He goes on to say that's effing awesome. (laughs) And I love the fact that, remember, he made that analogy when he was responding to Sean Payton's comments about Nathaniel Hackett. He called him a crow, basically. So Sean players Payton, knew what that was. Sean, exactly. He knew he was talking to his his constituents at the time. Players knew the crow story. Sean Payton's a crow to him. So they when they play and they make that game a and I don't know if that game's going to be a national game, nationally televised game because I think the Cowboys play the 49ers. Somebody said, "Can you all fact weekend. check the crow story, please?" <laughs> <laughs> National Geographic. Is that, fake look news? It up? that fake news? <laughs> I don't know. It sounds good. You know what? Who gives a damn if it is real? I like it, it sounds good. And I wish we had because I, I, I actually recorded that open onto my phone to try to bring it in, but that because it goes right into that great open theme. Yeah, that, for dun, hard dun, 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 yeah. The big, you know, the the the. the uh, they got the uh, what is it? The, the Zoom camera flying over the complex mm. and everybody ready to go. And Aaron Rodgers. And, uh, I couldn't fall asleep last night. That I mean, that episode got me. It was pumped, jacked up. It's well, that's be, what it does. Yeah. They do a great job of uh, of taking you behind the scenes. We'll see if it works for the Jets. They looked like a playoff team, but at the same time, as Rod pointed out, most teams who are on hard docks mm. don't win playoff games. That's for sure. Okay, so um, let's hear some more sound. How about Ron Rivera in Washington? This He's, is strange. Now remember the off season. They really didn't add a quarterback. There was talk that maybe they could get in the Lamar mm-hmm. Jackson conversation in Washington, but they're going to go with Sam Howell. The young quarterback out of North Carolina, and there's but so here's Ron Rivera talking about you know, Eric Bieniemy was their big addition, right? They bring in Eric Bieniemy to be the offensive coordinator. Yep. Uh, was working with Andy Reid. He's been to all the Super Bowls and working with Patrick mm-hmm. Mahomes. And here's Ron Rivera on uh, what's going on with the new OC. Going back to Bieniemy and his intensity, have players had to kind of adapt to that, and have any? sort of struggled with that at times yeah I mean they have and 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 one of the biggest things is 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 you know and I've I had a number of guys come to me and I say hey, just go talk to him I said understand what he's trying to get across to you you know and and I think you know I think as they go and they talk and they listen to him it, it's it's been it's been enlightening for a lot of these guys I mean it's a whole different approach um, you know you, you again you get a different kind of player from from the players back in the past um, especially in light of how things are coming out of college football. So a lot of these young guys, you know, they do struggle with certain certain things. Um, and a lot of you also got to take for where they've been. I mean, guys coming from certain programs are used to it. Guys coming from other programs aren't as much. So, you, you know, us as a coach, 
you know, I, I kind of have to assimilate and get a feel for everybody. You know, Eric has an approach, and it's the way he does things, and he's not going to change and, and, and because he believes in it. Jack has his approach. You know, um, having been a head coach, I think Jack has a tendency to try and figure guys out a little bit more as opposed to, hey, this is it, this is the way it's going to be, that type of stuff, where Eric, Eric hasn't had that, 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 uh, that experience yet. Interesting. So, yeah. um, you he's know, Eric's doing it his way. Exactly. He's admitting that, yeah, he is intense. And, and it's, I would admit, don't they need a change in, in culture there? Uh, that's probably why they brought in Eric Bieniemy. And Eric Bieniemy was asked about it, too. He was asked about it and did not deny it, by the way. Well, let's play that. Uh, same thing was asked of Eric Bieniemy, uh, who, you know, many people open, openly wonder why he hasn't getting, gotten a head coaching job yet with all the success under Andy Reid. That's fair. Um, with Andy Reid. And, of course, a lot of the credit for that offense goes to Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes. And Eric Bieniemy kind of gets caught in that. That's one of the reasons he left Washington to go to Washington to try to improve this offense. So, sure, he's going to be intense. Here's Eric Bieniemy asked a similar question. Hi. Um, have there have there been instances there been where players have, um, I guess, struggled to adapt to your coaching style and have come up to you and had a conversation about it? So before it even goes anywhere, I make it the point to address the conversation because one thing, my job is to be a very observant. I, I got to know the people that I'm discussing and uh, and working with. So my job is to address. If there's something that they may have an issue with, please, let's discuss this. Here's the reason why I felt a certain way. Here's why I said it. Now, okay, I put it back on the player. And you got to understand, we're in a grown man's business. We're in a grown man's world. My job is to make sure that I'm doing the best possible job of over-communicating clarity. I take a tremendous amount of pride in that. They also know when I'm getting on them, ain't nothing personal. What's personal is that I want us to win. I expect that particular player to be great at all times. I expect the effort to be a standard that's uh, accepted by all of us. So when you're not reaching that, it's my job to address it. So sometimes they may like the highlights and the praise, but sometimes they may not like it. And I'm perfectly fine with that because that's my job. Because if I ain't doing my job, my ass get fired. So it's my job and my responsibility to make sure and I'm getting our guys to do what I expect them to do. So he's admitting I'm intense. I think Nick Saban has a great quote. Uh, the quote is that he uses, I don't know if it's his, but he uses it a lot. Mediocre people don't like high achievers and high achievers don't like mediocre people. They don't get along. They never will. So you need to separate them. And Eric Bieniemy's been with high achievers for a long time, <laughs> right? Andy Reid, <clears throat> Patrick, Patrick Mahomes, high achievers, and he's doing things. You know, his habits right now are based on the habits of the high achievers that he's been around. And let's can we all admit the Washington NFL team, the Washington Commanders, the Washington racial slurs, whatever they want to call themselves, they have not been a high achieving franchise in quite some time. So I would side with the guy that's the high achiever. You know what? Let's try to do it the way the high achiever has done it rather than go with the way the mediocrity has gotten the Washington NFL team or commanders or whatever, wherever it's gotten them. So that's what I would throw out there, the Nick Saban quote. Well said. 
Well said. I think you're dead on, and you played for Ron Rivera when you were you know, playing in the National Football League. Oh, yeah. He's your D.C. He's a no-nonsense no guy. And I think Ron Rivera said it. Look, some guys come out of college, and they don't want the intensity. They don't want the heat. Mm-hmm. They don't you're want right. to raise that bar. They and don't. So, okay, if that's too intense, then get on and get going. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> we need, we're need. we raising our bar here. And I would say Ron Rivera, he's been very um, forthcoming and honest, almost too honest. Remember last season, was it? Yeah, remember they asked him about his quarter. Basically, asked him about what was wrong with the team, and what was going on uh, with the team. He said the quarterback's no good. And he basically said the quarterback. <laughs> it was Carson Wentz at the time. It was Carson Wentz. Uh, the the quote was basically he made headlines for his comments regarding the team's NFC East standing during his weekly Monday press conference. Where Rivera was asked why the Commanders were behind other teams in the NFC East, he responded by saying quarterback, and that was his the end of his quote. And He's saying he's not throwing his quarterback under the bus, but he basically was pointing the, pointing the finger right at his quarterback. Well, if and you ask me what's wrong with our team right now, our quarterback's not playing well. That's basically what he said. <laughs> so he's been he's he's been pretty honest and an open book since he's been with Washington. Maybe he just doesn't give z- zero Fs anymore. Maybe he just doesn't care. Well, look, Washington had a really good defense last year. Their defensive line's as good as any in the in the league. Yep, they um, is. And they've got weapons on the outside. Terry McLaurin's a good young mm-hmm. receiver. They got some backs. They need more, and they're, but, but they just need better quarterback play. But is Sam Howell the answer? It's why people are wondering. Speaking of quarterback play improvement, can I play this from the uh, – this is just a short clip from the Johnny Manziel documentary that has debuted the, I know. Uh, on Netflix. Unbelievable. This is, so this is, uh, Eric, this is his agent, Eric Burkhart, who is at Rock Nation, talking about Johnny Manziel. And the, uh, they were talking about the fact that, on the, much like we saw with Kyler Murray, on the iPad where they, you're supposed to watch film, mm-hmm. it has a, a reader of how much they can time track you're it. watching. Yeah, they can track the time. Can we hear this little snippet from the Johnny Manziel doc? Oh, no. Their GM's calling me going, he doesn't watch tape. I'm like, well, he's got to watch some tape. It's like, EB, his iPad hours is 0.00. <laughs> and then you see Johnny Manziel just hold up the zero. Yeah. And <laughs> zero. 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 Did his agent tell them that they can track it? Because they can track it. I remember before that, before they were doing the the iPads, there's a story about Jamarcus Russell, apparently. They were giving out DVDs to players, and they basically gave him like a DVD of some movie or something. Like, you yeah. didn't need to have the film on there. And they asked him about the film study. He's like, yeah, we're great. We're great. I was like, all right, just do stop watching any film. I remember it was, uh, <laughs> what was it, man, on my, my show Draft Day with Sonny. So yeah. putting that $100 bill at the back of the book, you know, plaque of the blue. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, I, mean, yeah. Yeah. I cannot believe that his agent didn't at least tell him, hey, man, you got to open it up. You got to open it up and let it play. Yeah. <laughs> right? Just, you really got to watch it. Open it up and at least let it play. Oh, that's bad. Did he actually think that he could be successful in the NFL not watching any film? Some guys do believe that. They do. Are there dudes that are successful? There are some guys that have done that. I mean, Michael Vick admitted that he didn't watch enough film. Um, I something tells me you know Vy probably didn't watch as much film as he should have. Well, that's another, there's gonna, some guys who are just so physically gifted they do believe that it'll translate even to that highest level. That's and, how it's worked their whole careers. Yeah, right? and they're it does better than everybody. Yeah. And then you get to the NFL and you're not. Yeah, well, nobody is. You got to work. Is. You got to you got to you got to become a student of the game and a professional. Well, and and to the yeah. to the point of the that's a great you know way to wrap up that conversation about the Chiefs, right? I mean, I know it's fun to watch the Chiefs and watch Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelsey and. Uh, these guys and, and Andy Reid and think, man, he's doing the underhand passes and behind the back. The work that goes into that offense being that precise yep. is what people don't see. And yeah, I always say in any sport, when someone makes something really difficult look easy, that's you, you're not seeing the work being put in. 
You're Great not point. seeing the work being put in. Yeah. Because uh, it's hours and it's meticulous. And then it shows up on Sundays that, oh my gosh, these guys look like a, a an orchestra playing offense. Well, that's what Eric Bieniemy is trying to create or at least raise the bar to in Washington. The guys, we're, we're way down here. Yep. You, I agree. Trust me on this. Yeah. You guys are way behind the times. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Hey, we'll be back. When we do, it's time for some Burn Orange talk. It's uh, behind the Burn Orange curtain. We'll talk Texas football 24 days to the opener, also one day to the big announcement from the number one recruit in the state coming down tomorrow. Ooh. We'll get you details and the latest on that conversation. Plus, before the end of the hour, we'll go off the record as we roll forward on a Wednesday here on E and Rod B. Aaron Hogan, Rod Babers, mornings, Austin, Texas Sports, The Horn. It's an over the hump Wednesday, a lot coming. You know, Thursday, we've got the... Uh, Decision of one Colin Simmons coming down from Duncanville High School, the number one, it's a big one. recruit in the state of Texas. It's a Texas LSU competition, apparently. Miami might be in there, but most saying it's uh, down in Texas and LSU. Texas and LSU baby. for the number one, uh, and it's it's such a big one. Man, you know, they, th- this is the this is the defensive equivalent of Arch Manning a year ago for for Texas here because they need a pass rusher in the worst way. Um, you know, really, since Joseph Osai, have they they really haven't had, an had edge, an edge, edge presence, presence like that. And, and even when it comes to recruiting, they the Osai, Osai was great, but I felt like he was more developed. I don't know if he was this highly rated of well, a guy well, coming they, out as a prospect. Remember, they didn't put him at the. Remember, they they moved tried to him move around him to linebacker. Yeah, he ended up becoming an elite prospect on the an elite player like on the, the edge. Uh, uh, gosh, who was the the guy who's playing for the Cowboys right now? The super fast linebacker, Malik Jefferson. Malik Jefferson. Yep, exactly. Same thing. Just left him on the edge. They moved him around too much. I think yeah. that's always a challenge for college teams in the state of Texas because you know at the high school level, those best athletes they just go after the quarterback. Mm-hmm. I mean, they just rush the quarterback. And then you know, Charlie Strong was big on you know trying to move them the middle linebacker and get them to learn that position. He it's did. Like, he did that a lot. You're right. And it's like you know that's different angles. Those kids have never played that, so they're kind of on the job training at the Big Twelve level, trying to learn how to play linebacker, and the instincts aren't there yet. They're, they're spread babies, and you're trying to put them in a phone booth, yeah, and make them operate a different way. And but once they put when Tom Herman's group came in, they put Joseph Osai at the edge. Brilliant, man. He was wrecking crew. Same man. thing with Overshawn, though. Remember, yeah. they started putting him on the edge more when this uh, new crew, PK, them came in with GP, and that was a brilliant move too because he's more comfortable in space because they're spread babies. Yeah, they were. They were Born into football in spread concepts in a spread era. So they were different than we we were brought into the football world. He's a five-star player, and there will be no doubt his position wherever yeah, he, he goes. He's on the edge, baby. If, they, I mean, if LSU, though, gets him and they got, what, Harold Perkins, too? Yeah. Woo, woo. Yeah, Brian Kelly. Be Brian nice. Kelly. Brian Kelly. And you know Brian coach. Kelly would love to win this one because he, you know, the Arch Mannings from his state, the uh, the kid, the the, the Derek, big safety, uh, Derek, Derek Williams. Williams as well. You know, Will Randall. I mean, you know, Texas got into, L- into Louisiana in the wake of the coaching change there and, and did well, made some hay in that state. And, um, you know, this would be big. And obviously for Brian Kelly to come into the state of Texas and grab the kid from Duncanville. That'd be big. Would be big, big, big. <laughs> also tomorrow, the uh, NFL preseason really ramps up, Rod. After last week's Hall of Fame game, the Texans will play the Patriots. We'll get to see C.J. Stroud. C.A. starting. He's, uh, he's uh, going to start Stroud control, they're calling it. Yeah, C.J. Stroud will get the start for Houston. In that game against the uh, New England Patriots, I want to see how that offense is going to look. Bobby Slowick, brand new offensive coordinator. One of my, I don't know, criticism, critiques, I should say. I can't even criticize. I haven't even seen the Texans play under D'Amico Ryan's. Is that they went with 
they basically went with a lot of inexperience on that coaching staff. They didn't bring. I thought they'd bring in, you know, some old veteran head coach just to keep, you know, kind of, you know, advise them on game management and different scenarios. But they don't really have anybody with head coaching experience or with play calling experience on the roster other than D'Amico Ryan's. Yeah, I mean, look, it's a, it's a young coach trying to find his way. And uh, you know the guy Matt Burke, the defensive coordinator, he never around. called plays. Never though. called plays. No. Yeah, I think no, actually, I think he called plays like prior to him going to work with uh, with D'Amico Ryan's. But you know, most recently, I don't think he's called plays. And Bobby Sloak did not call plays for Shanahan. Shanahan was called in plays there too. We get to see the Texans now. I will say this for Houston: they should have should have one of the better offensive lines in pro football if they're healthy. If they've got Laramie Tunsil and Titus Howard at tackle. She's had an injury with Titus Howard. You know, it's had a hand, though. Hand I think injury. he'll be back. Yeah. I think he'll be okay. But Titus Howard, they just re up. So there's your, your tackle tandem. Uh, in the interior, they're hoping for a big step forward from Kenyon Green, the left guard who they drafted 15th overall mm-hmm. out, of the, out of A&M. They went and signed Shaq Mason, who won a Super Bowl in New England and then was in Tampa with yep. those Tom Brady teams, Shaq Mason. And remember, they drafted two centers. Uh, Juice Scruggs out of Penn State. And then they came back because there was still a good center on the board in the fourth or fifth round. They took two centers. Smart move. Houston's trying to protect their young quarterback, mm-hmm. and they want to run the ball with Damian David Pierce. Pierce, the young running back who's kind of a beast. So uh, looking forward to seeing that. That'll be tomorrow night. Houston will play. Also, Minnesota plays Seattle tomorrow night. So two NFL preseason games if you're looking for it. And then into the weekend, of course, Houston, uh, Dallas plays Jacksonville uh, up, there in, up in there in Arlington and uh, so we'll get to see some preseason football starting tomorrow night. Yeah, I don't know how many starters we're going to see. Sean Payton did say he might play his starters, though, uh, in the preseason. So you know what's going on. But also, usually I, you don't well, see a lot of starters. And I'll say playing. this. How about the fact that uh, Sean McVay with the Rams is saying we're going – remember last year Sean McVay didn't play anybody. Well, he was the one that started this whole uh, trend of not yeah. playing any starters in the preseason. Thought it was silly, and now he's changing his mind about that. Yeah, he's coming in and going, going – you're going to see those guys play more. Well, you want to know why they are – and I'll get the stat as we start getting close to the NFL because I'm doing some deep diving. They have a ton of new players. Young guys. Young guys. They went – because they – only way they could go because they were in salary cap hell. So they had to go young and cheap because they were in salary cap hell with a lot of players. Cooper Cup, uh, Matt Stafford, Aaron Donald. Guys, you got to pay. Jalen Ramsey, who they traded. Dre- they still traded, gave him a yeah. big contract. So they's like, the only way they can start over is by just developing young, cheap players. So they got a lot of young, cheap guys on that roster. Hey, let's go behind the burnt orange curtain. Texas football conversation uh, every morning at 830. And they were all asking themselves the same question. What is behind that curtain. What is behind that curtain? <laughs> what will Colin Simmons reveal tomorrow? Uh, I know. That's going to be wild. And that's happening, what, like 2, uh, two yeah, o'clock? Something like that? 2 o'clock. I think, I think he and a teammate are both committing tomorrow. All right. That's going to be, yeah, that's, that's definitely going to be the most talked about subject in the Longhorn uh, Nation tomorrow. But uh, today, I want to talk about what I what is my, hopefully, is going to be uh, my favorite concept and my favorite cheat code for Texas offense in 2023. Now, everybody who listens to the show knows that I love empty formation. That's when there is nobody in the backfield, just the quarterback and every other wide receiver is a wide receiver or um, receiver, eligible receiver, is lined up um, on uh, the line of scrimmage or near the line of scrimmage and being deployed in what they call an empty formation with zero players in the backfield. I heard Sark yesterday 
talk about deploying five people on the field because you can't double everybody. I've talked about this with the mathematical equation um, that you can present to the defense that they just cannot solve. And Sark was talking about that and talk, and hinted about deploying f- five receivers and even mentioned JT Sanders with that group. Talked about getting those, the ball to those guys in space and being accurate and having the quarterback be the distributor. Just distributing the ball, finding the right matchup, and being accurate with the timing so they can get run after catch, uh, which, he, which he's big on. He's big on the yak. Texas was top five last season in yak yards after the catch. Um, so... Sark is big on making sure that his receivers can get the ball in space. But the empty formation is interesting because I went and started tracking this years ago. Started tracking it with Texas specifically, but I became a fan of it watching the New England Patriots win the Super Bowl against the Rams. One of the only, uh, not one of the, the only touchdown in that game was actually the Patriots running empty formation out of 22 personnel, two backs, two tight ends. And it was such a rarity that season, only 11 times, 11 plays in all 16 uh, games with all 32 teams had a team deployed empty formation with 22 personnel. There was no way for the Rams to game plan for that. And the Patriots ended up getting uh, getting the best of Wade Phillips and that defense because they pulled out that empty formation set. Fast forward, I think Sean McVay also became obsessed with it because he started looking at how they beat them in that Super Bowl. And the way they did it was breaking out the empty formation. And when the Rams won their Super Bowl, they actually led the NFL uh, along with the Bengals. They were first and second in the NFL in empty formation usage. And this is one of the ways that they separated from the league and both teams ended up in the Super Bowl. That was kind of the pinnacle of the empty formation concept. So I've been tracking it for Texas for a while, too. Even going back to 2020, and what you recognize about the empty formation is it not only stresses the defense, but it cleans up the picture for the quarterback, speeds up their internal clock, and it results in a lot of explosive plays. So here's the 2020 stats. This is Sam Ellinger, Tom Herman offense. So different situation, different quarterback. Still Texas averaged 10 yards per attempt. Uh, The explosive play rate was above 21%. That's an explosive play is a 10-yard run or at least a 15-yard pass. You were at 10 yards per attempt. You're only 55% completion percentage, but you're not worried about the completion percentage because you're not going to have a really high completion percentage. What you want are the explosive plays. So you don't hit a lot of completions, but when you do, Big place. When I hear you talk about that, I Rod, I think of, I think of this is like the definition of basketball on grass, right? Yes, it is kind of like that. Yes, it's a great point about it, and, and kind of three point shot and that kind of thing. Right, yes, it's basketball. Yes. You're spreading, you're spreading it out, and you can run out of that formation too. And I love the idea of going tempo with it, and just the weapons. I mean, it just makes the quarterback's job. I don't want to say easy, but it, you're, you're distributing like a point guard would. Like, where's my mismatch? Who's got the angle? Who's got the edge? Who's, who's got the inside leverage on a on a corner that he's already beaten? That's my guy. That's yeah. wide open. And it works, like I said, if you have a lot of weapons. Like for Sark, that's why I think this year he should lead the country in empty formation because he's got so many weapons to deploy. And that's say defense's like worst Robinson. nightmare. Keelan Robinson on the field. So many. Exactly. We didn't even mention that there's so many guys that are going to end up in advantageous matter situations. So fast forward. 2020, I just told you. 2020. You got really good uh, stats out of your empty formation. So, like I said, that was a different quarterback. That's Sam Ellinger. And Sam was brilliant out of it because you would spread the field in empty formation, and then you could run Bam Bam Sam. Oh, 
He was lethal out of empty formation. I think the most stressful situation for a defense would be defending empty formation with a dual-threat quarterback attached to it. But I digress. Let's fast forward to 2021. How did empty formation uh, play out with Texas with a new head coach, new system, and new quarterbacks, Hudson Card and uh, Casey Thompson? Well, you still have a very similar uh, numbers. You averaged 9.6 yards per play in 2020 out of empty. You had 8.9 yards per play out of empty in 2021. Your um, your yards uh, per attempt, you had 10.2 yards per attempt in 2021 out of empty. You had 10 yards per attempt out of empty formation in 2020. Uh, explosive play rate, you're at 21 plus per- percent in 2020. You're at 23 plus percent in 2021. So it still tracks. So I went and looked at this season. I wanted to look, you know, at Quinn Ewers post injury. So we started at the Oklahoma game. That's eight game sample size. That's pretty good. And find out how he performed in empty. Once he got comfortable within the offense, knew the weapons, knew the personnel, knew the system a little bit. And Sark doesn't use it a lot. In 2020, you were at in terms of overall usage of empty formation, you were less than 10 percent. Um, you were less than 8% in 2020, and you were less than 9% in 2021. My suggestion was Sark should be close to 15% empty formation. He should lead the country. And the numbers, here are the numbers. Now, this is why he should lead the country. So Quinn Ewers last season in empty formation, I went and tracked it. And since the Oklahoma games, like I said, eight, you got about an eight-game sample size there. 62%, but like I said, you're not worried about the, the completion rate as much because you're looking for big chunk yardage plays. So I went and looked at first. Now you're at 7.6 yards per attempt, which is okay, but not great. You're at 7.7 yards per play, which is okay, but not great. But when you looked at first down rate, all right, the amount of targets that resulted in a first down in empty formation with Quinn Ewers in that eight-game sample, you're at over 41% first down rate. This is just throwing the football. If you look at first down and touchdown rate, you're over 44% first down and touchdown rate. If you add the one rushing attempt that um, Quinn had out of empty. Then you add another first down and you go total plays first down rate and touchdown rate and you're over 40, you're at 46 plus percent of, th- of those plays resulted in a first down or a touchdown. That's Explosive. what you're looking for. Yes, you're looking for the result well, of those plays. Now you take those numbers and transpose, you know, not Casey Kane, but you know, A.D. Mitchell. Uh, exactly, right. and Isaiah Nayor you know, on the outside, yeah. uh, an X man, an X man now who is back to his 2021 former better. Right. Yes, a Jante Cook, a JT Sanders. Yes, right, Jay Witt, and you go look at it. You think about it, you think about save. You brought this up too. You think about a guy like Savion Red. You put him in the backfield. He's your Debo Samuel, your hybrid, and then you can just shift in motion him out of the backfield, and your receivers, your weapons, and empty would be Savion Red, JT Sanders, Jay Witt, X man, and AD Mitchell. Come on. And how many matchup advantages would you have there? Probably two, at least maybe three. Yeah. Easy. You just got to go find the one-on-one but, that you favor. And since you cross-trained Savion Red as a receiver last year, now back to running back, next play after you know whatever happens, get him back behind the quarterback, hand it off. Hand I mean, it off to him. Yeah. Off if they want to adjust by throwing nickel out, or, nick, or sorry, dime with 60 Bs or quarter with 70 Bs, that's exactly what you want. Move JT Sanders into inline in tight line. end. You got your big mammoth offensive line with big humans. Put Savion Red in the backfield or Jay Witt and just hand him the damn ball off and go, all right, you guys want to do that. We'll take the five yards where we push y'all down the damn field. Make them basically put them in a position where they have to pick their poison. 
Make them pick their poison. You want to you wanna die uh, the death of a thousand cuts by having to just go down the field on your sub packages in our, uh, uh, once we shift out of empty and reload our backfield? Or you want to come out there with your nickel package and have us go spread empty across the field and put your linebacker matched up on a JT Sanders trouble. or a Savion Red? Yes, and it's trouble. So, and here's a little added bonus, an added bonus, because I'm going to give you all the numbers. But it does track that the empty formation is still one of Texas' most lethal concepts. Quinn Ewers got better with it the, the deeper you got into the season. His best game with empty formation was actually the Washington game. He was uh, over the ball game, yeah. 87% completion percentage, 7.5 yards per attempt, uh, 25% first down rate. If you take the, he had a, also had a 12-yard run out of that. So if you take the 12-yard run, you had nine plays, eight yards per play yeah. out of empty formation with a 33% first down rate. And now rate. the weapons are improved, and it should and be exactly. even more dynamic. And again, you said it earlier, but you know, the, the, against five wides, the defense really can't disguise coverage against you. You which, can't. Which, which plays to a, maybe a weakness of Quinn Ewers. You don't have to read an exotic coverage. No, you have, you have to get to your alignment assignment right away yep. when they go empty formation because you cannot get caught with a receiver running free just because you were trying to disguise coverage. Your coach is going to dog cuss you <laughs> <laughs> so bad. Yep. So which you're you, right. It reveals, it forces everybody to reveal their hand. You know what the hand of the offense is. Hey, we're not running the ball. We're going spread. You know we're going to throw it. But then the defense, it's like poker. You got, I'm going all in, so you got to go all in. Then you got to reveal your hand. You have to, and the defense will show you I would probably go man. They won't go zone usually either, because zone invites easy completions out of empty. Yeah, find the hole. And it's, yeah, it'll be easy completions with a quick well, this game. This is a lot like my, what Mike Leach would do at Texas Tech with the air raid. And then uh, if you can't get home with the pressure, you really can't stop it. I mean, if you're if you're down, exactly. group, can't get pressure, yeah. you're going to be in trouble. And, and that's where you feel good about the Texas offensive line and pass pro. And you know what I found? Sack rates each year I've been tracking it drop out of um, empty. Sack rates are lower out of empty formation. Well, there you go. There's yeah. uh, behind the burn orange court in the deep dive with Rod B. Uh, coming back, Ian Rod B. We go off the record, off the record, including uh, more from the Johnny Manziel documentary last night. Ron Rivera. Has apologized, a written statement this morning, put his foot in his mouth in the Eric Bieniemy deal. We'll get to that coming up as well, but coming next off the record. Austin's all sports leader. Inch by inch. Aaron Hogan. Play by play. Rod Babers. Till we're finished. The Horn. DD. Mega doo-doo, I'm sorry, Mangudu. Once it's turned on, the sign will spell out Deli Cat Essen. Well, well, I don't get the rain the comb. Well, congratulations. Continue good sex in the sex in the Big East. Thank you, Jimmy. And boom goes the dynamite. It's time for another edition of Off the Record. Do it live! I can I'll write it and we'll do it live. And thing sucks. Yeah, I know it didn't suck last night, Rod B, and that was the uh, debut of Hard Knocks. That's right. Can I play you my favorite part of Hard Knocks last night? A little snippet from it, yeah. A little snippet, because uh, one of my favorite guys is Lee Schreiber, the actor, Ray oh, Donovan. Oh, Ray Donovan, yeah. Ray Donovan. He's great. Also in the he's great, great. movie Spotlight. And, yeah, um, he's fantastic. Great actor, but he uh, he, he's a badass in Ray Donovan. Great the voice. The Showtime film. Yes, and he's the voice of Hard Knocks. Mm-hmm. And Aaron Rodgers, early on in the episode, said, man, I, loved, I just want to re- meet the voice, the voice of God <laughs> who does it. Here it was. They flew him in in a helicopter. Ray Donovan shows up in a helicopter. <laughs> they land this thing. And then here's uh, Lee Schreiber, the actor, the voice of Hard Knocks, meeting Aaron Rodgers. Hey, buddy. 
Okay, seen a ton of your movies. They went on, but uh, leave Schreiber. There he was. He was he was kind of giddy to meet Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers was giddy to meet him. Oh no, man, it was great. I, I actually was really into Ray Down. The last season, though, uh, it kind of fell off. Though. It did fall off. And then, they did, then, they, then they did the movie. They did the movie, and the movie was yeah, what's, was that, what's that show about? Ray Donovan. He's, He's a, a fixer. fixer. Yeah, the, exactly. He's a Hollywood fixer. The first fixer. couple episodes are the first seasons are great. The first couple, no, the first two three seasons are really good. A fixer. Fixer, yeah, he's yeah, a Hollywood he goes, fixer. He fixes like, issues. Like take care of problems. You ever seen Pulp Fiction? Keep people out of trouble. Like oh, like kind of like a mob guy. Like yeah, like yeah. Well, he he works for well, the he works for the movie. for the movies, but he does a lot of shady stuff. Yeah, he gets yeah. he gets famous people out of trouble. Mm-hmm. Remember the wolf on on Pulp Fiction? Yeah, he's like the wolf. <laughs> yeah. Okay, he fixes stuff. Makes sense. Like my guy Bucky when he was coaching in Texas. You know, he'd get that phone call yes. at three in the morning. Yep. Clee so, Clee Brown was like that <laughs> for for Mac Brown for years as his consigli Eddie. Fixer or cleaner, <laughs> yeah. whichever you want to put. There you go. Yeah. You need, every every program, every program, and every great organization needs one. Has one. Well, Buck <laughs> wasn't just—he was a great football coach, but he would get that call when somebody mm, somebody got needed bailing out or somebody uh-oh. went to jail that night. Uh oh. Buck gets the call. Well, you don't want to go to the coach. No. He gets to sleep through the night. He gets the he gets the he gets the memo in the morning. Buck gets called at like four in the morning, three in the morning. Plausible deniability. <laughs> exactly. I didn't know anything about it. Exactly. <laughs> who bailed out? Who? I don't know. Now, if the head coach, like we saw last year in basketball, goes to jail in the middle of the night, that. That's kind of hard to fix. Uh, yeah, you can't. Yeah, that's, ain't no fixing that. Can't, mm-hmm. No fixing that. No fixing that. Uh, so that was my, one of my favorite parts. I enjoyed seeing Lee Schreiber uh, show up in the helicopter. What else do you have in, uh, off the record there, Rod B? Uh, well, um, Beyonce, first of all, Beyonce, she's on tour right now. And uh, Queen Bee, she's, uh, she's got uh, the beehives, what they call them, all of her fans that she uh, loves and that take care of her. And I believe her, between her and Taylor Swift, I don't know who's – He's bigger and as a bigger pop star. Taylor Swift probably is, but man, it's really close. So Beyonce uh, reportedly paid a hundred thousand dollars for the DC Metro to stay open an hour later, so that her fans could get home. The fans were facing the threat of being stranded after her show at Maryland's FedEx Field due to uh, weather conditions. They have to delay some stuff, but she wanted to make sure everybody got home or at least had a chance to get home on the uh, D.C. Metro. She paid $100,000 nice. just to make sure everybody got paid some overtime so they can keep things going. That's awesome. See, yeah, that, yeah, I mean, that's, that's, that's the least really she could cool do. Thing. She's, got, she she's got the money. She got this. She could worth like $500 million. Screw and she's you, married d- to a billionaire. Dan Schneider. I mean, having the stadium out there in the middle of the swamp. Yeah, well, remember Dan Snyder, when he built that stadium, he built it purposely like two miles away from the nearest train stop. So you people would, would <laughs> yeah, like you could have built it right up next to the train. Phone. Yeah, because he wanted to sell the parking for every game. You don't want people, I mean, everybody up in D.C. commutes on the train. That's how they get places. Oh, yeah, on East Coast, man. You, yeah, having a car sometimes is an inconvenience. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> uh, so now Dan Snyder. But, yeah, the new ownership should do a nice job there. We're going to get back into that Washington football team conversation because this morning but at his opening, some opening comments for Washington practice, uh, Ron Rivera had a prepared statement about what he said yesterday about Eric Bieniemy to clarify. Oh, something. he did. Yeah. It became that big of an issue. Yeah, some people took it the wrong wow. way, I guess, or took it a different way. Oh. How about this? In a new survey, sixty-six percent of people say they turn on their TV subtitles occasionally. Some thirteen percent always do. For certain programs, you need them. I know. Do you know what I like? I wish I had them for Oppenheimer. I told my wife that I was like, "Damn, I wish they had subtitles." Because some of the scenes, they're they're like mumbly. You know, 
Yes. <laughs> well, look, they're, they're being almost too discreet. I told in that story recently. That conversation. My, my son and his wife came over to use our TV to watch the the Oscars one one night. We were, and we were not there yet. Uh, we were coming home late. And he, my love, my oldest son loves movies, and he mm-hmm. he didn't have cable at his house at the time. And he was like, "Can we come over and watch the Academy Awards?" I was like, "Sure, go ahead." They, you know, they know the code to the door and stuff like that. But I get in there, and they had brought uh, her sister, and she's deaf. Uh, uh, okay, yeah. And my 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 daughter in law, she's from her, her parents are both deaf. Her sister's deaf. They work at the Texas School for the Deaf. For crying out loud, uh, so she's one of those codas, right? Child of a deaf adult, mm-hmm. and uh, she's grown up in that. So they turned on these the subtitles. And I don't know how to turn them off, Rod. But so I've just left them on, and I love it. And you love it. I love it. I've been watching Peaky Blinders and all these shows. I'm like, oh, my gosh. I'm Especially not missing the accent and everything. Yes, yeah. I'm not missing any dialogue. Yeah. I'm ahead of this deal. It's, no, I'm with you, brother. I like the uh, the subtitles. It's not that I don't hear well enough. It's just that I, I don't miss important pieces yes, or lines that are ex- said. I'm with you. They've got to turn it off for sports, though. Mm. Yes, you do. It's annoying for sports. Yes, very true. I agree with you on that. I've done it for sports. It's annoying for sports. Well, yeah. and, and you know what's kind of cool in Peaky Blinders, if you end, I'm into see the final se- uh, season now, episode, season six, they actually put up on the thing, when there's a cool song playing, they tell you who the artist is. Oh, yeah, I think, yes. I believe a lot of the subtitles, which is, yeah, you can use Shazam, though. You got Shazam on your phone? Yeah, but it gives you, you know, this is so-and-so singing so-and-so when the music begins, which yeah. is really pretty cool. <laughs> oh, I like that song, and you kind of already know it. Uh, one other from uh, off the record from you, Rod B. Uh, okay, since I was just talking about Beyonce, I guess I could give Taylor Swift some credit, too. T-Sweet, T-Swizzle. T-Swizzle. Uh, she has given over $50 million in bonuses to her entire Eras Tour crew. That's so good. Yeah. Crazy. Yeah. How much? $50 million? Over $50 million in bonuses. I wonder how much she's making. That's well, how you know well, she's making a ton of money. Well, the estimate <laughs> is she'll make over a billion dollars on this tour. Yeah, and that's she, why you know she's making a ton. A billion? She wow. added a bunch of new dates, right? Yeah, she's going. Uh, every truck driver, every trucker gets a hundred k bonus. Yeah, they got to move that stage. Tour. I mean, they got to move that whole operation. hundred yeah. k Every trucker gets a hundred k bonus at the end of the tour. That's awesome. Yep. And really truckers well. are like, yeah, they, 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 they're fighting other truckers trying to get that job. That's a, that's a gig right there. That's nice. Give it up for him, man. Said, E, do you find yourself concentrated on the subtitles, missing some of the content? I have not. I, I, I can avoid it, but when I need to be able to read it, I can. Use your periphery. Yeah. I, I, I've actually <laughs> taken to it. And let's be fair, I'm 50 years old. I don't know how to turn it off. <laughs> <laughs> About 